My name is Piers Bayliss and I'm here with uh, director of Lulabelle's Sweet Treats, which is a home baking business that last year took over the Whistle Stop Cafe in Inner Leven. Louise Cumming, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm all right, thanks. Good. Uh, so I thought I'd start by asking you a little bit about your, your background. Yeah. How much do you want to know? Uh, if we start with, if we focus on the business background, so I believe you mentioned before the interview that your your first business this isn't your first business. No, this is my third. Yeah. So we'll start with the, with the first business to get an first. idea. Of. So I started my first business when I was 21. Basically, I wanted to work with horses. And mm-hmm. um, my dad, who was self-employed, like there's no money in horses unless you're <laughs> like your own boss. So yeah. he kind of kicked me into starting up my first business, which was a mobile grooms business. Right. So that meant that I moved around all over around the country looking after other people's horses for them, whether that was while people were on holiday, mucking out, that sort of thing, all the way up to riding and schooling horses and breaking Mm -hmm. them in. Um, So that ran for about four years. And I enjoyed it. It was a lot of hard work. And it was... I think built business seldom is easy. Yeah, but I think it was a very physical job as well. You know, I could be mucking out like upwards of 20 stables a day. And, oh, wow. you know, moving from yard to yard and yard and starting at six in the morning and not finishing till like nine o'clock at night. And but did you have arms of steel by I the end did, of it all? I did, yeah, I did. <laughs> not um, surprised. And, it, and it, was, it was good. It was kind of, it was teetering on the edge of I needed an extra pair of hands. Mm-hmm. but I didn't have enough regular business coming in to employ someone. So it was at that difficult tipping point of, you know, what am I going to do with this? So it was uh, almost like grow the business or look to pastures new. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I made the decision. I, I had been staying with my parents and that was all fine. I had enough money for the car and whatever going out, that was fine. But the business coming in wasn't reliable enough really to grow it on with mm-hmm. employees and, and things like that. So I decided to end that after four years. Mm-hmm. and went traveling and did a bit of hospitality work after that. Um, so four years later, after doing bar management and cocktail mm-hmm. bars and that sort of thing, the opportunity came up to rent a 20-stable yard, um, which kick-started me having my second business because we thought it would be a much better business model because the horses came to me. I wasn't doing mm-hmm. the traveling. Um, and they pay a monthly amount and they have to give you notice if they're leaving and that sort of thing. So it's, it's a much more stable, if you like. Yeah, I think um, so, yeah. <laughs> Business plan. And it was working really well. And, and at one point I had all 20 boxes full and it was going really well and we had a good reputation. All that was nice. Then the maintenance on the yard on the farm started to slip and customers were complaining about things. I was trying to get the farmer to fix things and improve facilities. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't getting any better. And horses were starting to, you know, it was getting close to whether things were getting injured. And I did not want to have that on my record. Yeah, so you prioritised the welfare of the horses. Yeah, so I just decided after four years uh, to call it a day with that because Mm -hmm. I had started to lose some customers because of the facilities and things like that, which I didn't have control over. It sounds like you you actually kept control because when you felt the control was slipping away, you then... Made the decision not to... Yeah, reassessed and and decided at at that point what to do next. So you didn't lose control, you just brought it to a close at the right time. Yeah, well, I wanted to... I had a good reputation and I wanted to keep that. Mm -hmm. And that was important to me. I I also had quite a big um, thing going on in my personal life with the death of my mum. So it was kind of time to move on. Mm -hmm. Uh, So 
that's when I then moved down to the borders into inner leaving and uh yeah, it's a bit of a story into the third business. <laughs> do, you need, do you want you, to go with well, Yeah, absolutely. We've heard the third time lucky many, many times. But um doesn't mean you can't have a fourth and fifth and sixth. I think the important takeaway there is that you were constantly reassessing where you were in your business. And if it wasn't going to have a future or you felt that you could do better elsewhere, you made that decision, which is admirable. And it's something yeah. to bear in mind to everyone's business. You know, constantly check what's going on. Don't just... Like rest on your laurels. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I'd like to focus on on Lulabelle's. Well, we discussed this. The name's Lulabelle's Sweet Treats. Yeah. But it's known in the area as, as Lulabelle's, Lulabelle's or Lulabelle's Cafe. So you've moved to Inner Leithen. Yeah. Uh, how did you How did you go from there to starting Lulabelle's? Um, okay, so um, after polishing off the horse business, I went back into hospitality and and had a few sort of bit piece jobs part time here or there. And then landed uh, a social media marketing job in the area, mm-hmm. which I thought I was pretty settled with mm-hmm. and had a contract with and, and thought, this is me, this is good. Got a mortgage on a house <laughs> uh, and then lost my job and suddenly had to scrabble around for income again. And, and I had been doing some home baking, mm-hmm. but not eating it all, so handing it all out. And, and the cafe that I lived next door to at the time said, oh, why don't you bake for us? Mm-hmm. So I started baking for them, self-employed, and that wasn't quite enough. So I started then going to a market stall in Peebles once a week. Right, the, the farmer's market. Yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of a farmer's market, but it's every Saturday in Peebles, and it's great. And, so it's um, a good place to sort of test out yeah. what has been successful for you so far in the local cafes. Yeah, well, it started off really as, as just needing to get some cash in. You know, I had built, I had a mortgage to pay. Yes. Um, so I needed to do something, even if it was a little thing, I needed to do something. Um, so the, the market stall was brilliant and uh, I actually got quite a good following on the market stall, like mm-hmm. repeat custom each week and, and the taking was, was doing all right. Apart from the obvious, which is the cakes were delicious, what do you think <laughs> kept people coming back to the, to the stall? Well, I did have a Facebook page up and running and, you know, kind of circulated that as well as I could and I would always like advertise on that what cakes I would be bringing and things like that and it's the anticipation of yeah I, I looked at the cakes ahead of this interview and as I mentioned to you earlier the Jaffa cake cheesecake yeah really yeah. caught my attention just visually it yeah. looked really appealing that's actually um, Phil my partner who makes the cheesecakes <laughs> so that's one of his you can um, tell him that I said that <laughs> I will do yeah I will do gets a lot of good reports on the cheesecake <laughs> um, but yeah so I think that brought a lot of people down um, and then also the market itself has its own following. So mm-hmm. people come to that and then they see the cakes and, and then they return week after week for them. Um, and uh, so that kind of got me started thinking, well, well, I could take this further, you mm-hmm. know. Um, there's not a lot of jobs in the area to go for. And uh, I had known that this the whistle stop, as this was, was on the market and it had been for about three years, I think. So I'd kind of had half an eye on it for a wee while and uh, just had a conversation with my dad about it, actually. Yeah, and, so uh, seek some advice from yeah, those and, you trust. Um, it was probably him who pushed me into actually like jumping and, and doing it. But then once the decision was made, I'm very decisive and I just go for it. Do you feel it. like he's pushing you or do you feel like you're asking him to push you? No, it was my idea, actually. Yeah. Um, I had actually originally thought about I was going to approach the owners if I could rent the cafe and run it mm-hmm. as my own. 
because it had been on the market for so long. And I had just been chatting to dad and said, oh, I think I might do this. And he was like, why rent it? Why not just buy it? <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, actually, by the time you've paid rent on something, you might as well be paying a mortgage. Yeah. Uh, so we went and looked into it, looked into the figures. I actually used a, an agency to help me find a mortgage provider. Mm -hmm. They were brilliant and um, they helped me write out a business plan and everything and do all the financial um, yeah. forecasts and stuff like that to then go to the banks with. And sort of present your idea as yeah. not just a, oh, well, let's do this, but an actually well thought out yeah. pr proposition. Yes. Um, but I am a very decisive person and I do like things to move quickly. So <laughs> from decision to actually go for it and actually buying the property probably was only like a couple of months. Wow. <laughs> so, But yeah. I, I imagine some intense couple of months. Yeah, but I like to be busy. Um, I like having a project to work on and goals and things like that. So um, I like to have a lot of drive. Um, so I really quite enjoyed it all, to be yeah. quite honest. <laughs> I get bored when things are going like steadily along. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I did actually enjoy it. I quite I do feed off the the pressure of deadlines and things like that. Yeah, so. um, yeah, I, I I enjoy that too. Uh, um, and I think it it speaks to your idea of constantly reassessing. Yes, you're just not sitting still. Um, and hey, if you like it, do it. Yeah, you know. Uh, so this question. I guess doesn't apply to all three businesses. We'll, we'll restrict it to just Lulabel. But if you <laughs> yeah, go sure. back to to the beginning of of the process and you can speak to your past self, what piece of advice would you give to them as the most important? Yeah. So the biggest thing that caught us out with the cafe was that this was the first business that I had that was VAT registered and just a bit of lack of experience. We got mm -hmm. caught up. You know, we we'd taken over a going concern. And at no point did we close the cafe. We kept it running every day when we opened it. So we did the refurb very quickly. We had, because we opened straight away as soon as we got the keys, we were taking money. So money came into the bank. Mm -hmm. And we thought, that's great. We'll, we'll use that and we'll do the refurb. So we got the joinery work done. We, got, we did the painting. We were in here like till midnight painting and things. <laughs> we bought new fridges. We, you know, we, we refurbed the place. And we were really happy with it. And I don't regret that at all. But it was like three months in because we bought the place in April. So three months later, we get our first VAT bill. And um, I just was not prepared for it. Right. <laughs> so so. kind of like <laughs> just had taken my eye off the ball with that one. I knew it was a VAT registered business. I had done all the paperwork. You know, I had, you know, an accountant and a bookkeeper. Like, I think they just assumed that I kind of had half an eye on it and I didn't yeah but how did you how did, how did you very quickly readjust to to deal with that in all honesty we're we're still kind of adjusting to deal with that um because obviously we had to pay the vet bill mm -hmm. so then we we're in a bit of a deficit and and we're recouping that as we go along so I mean in hindsight you could say well we shouldn't have done the refurb that quick should have paid the first vat bill and then done it with what was left. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we could have done the refurb in more bit pieces. But Yes, you can plan for everything though and you can never predict how things are going to happen. Now, yeah. Perhaps you could have predicted that, yeah. um, but it could have been something else. I just took my eye off the ball on that one and um, nobody pulled me up for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's fine, we're, we're here. Um, so and we're what do you think you'll do in the future? to uh, minimise shocks like that? Well, every bat bill is a shock. 
<laughs> uh, perhaps I'm referring to like um, other shocks, unanticipated, um, like repair bills. Yeah, perhaps yeah. something like that that just comes out of the blue. Have you uh, thought about? I think you have. Have you thought about how you would deal with a shock like that to your business? Yeah, I mean, we do have them. Um, so we've had to replace the coffee machine. We're on our third coffee machine now. Right. The, the last replacement we did was just because we wanted a bigger machine. for We needed to turn out more coffees. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one prior to that was a, a, like basically it died. So we, <laughs> we needed to replace that one quite quickly. Um, and then other things like that is we needed to get the chimney stove repaired as well and, and things and potentially it still might look like being a big job. We might have to have the flu and that replaced and things. So, so you're just looking at the budget. Yeah, but what, what we've kind of come to realise is that there's actually always going to be one of these shock mm-hmm expenditures and we kind of just have in the back of our minds that we need to kind of just have some money set aside for dealing with these things the the rainy day fund i think kind of pretty much the rainy day fund (laughs) yeah yeah. and then what happens is it gets cleared out and you have to start all over again (laughs) (laughs) so you've been running this now for around about a year about 18 months 18 months so i ask this question to everybody what do you think it takes to make a business like this work specifically in this area? In this area, a lot of determination, I would say, and and an idea. You need to have enthusiasm for Mm -hmm. for what you're doing and you need to believe in yourself. And, you know, you're always going to be open to criticism, you know, especially if you're taking over an existing business Mm -hmm. um, because people have got used to what was there before and they like that and, and you've come in and you're changing it and, and um, not everybody takes to that so well. So you really need to have a clear vision of what you're doing mm-hmm. and stick to it and, you know, believe in yourself, I think. Yes. And, and do you think, what's your opinion on uh, engagement with the local population? Because you've mentioned, obviously, the cyclists come through here. That's mm-hmm. a big part of the business. Yeah. But you can't ignore the local population as well. Yeah. What have you learned about engaging with them? So we, we try to be as inclusive as we can with mm-hmm. everyone. I mean, for example, our, our menu, we've got vegan options. We've also got a very carnivorous meaty breakfast. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got gluten-free options as well. And we actually, because um, the, the whistle stop that was before us had a bit of an older generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had initially planned on, on scrapping the whole of that menu and starting again. But we ended up keeping quite a few bits and bobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to keep some items that would be familiar to, to yeah. the previous customers so that they still felt welcome coming in and things like that. So you put your stamp on it, but you didn't just disregard what had come before. No, we, we tried to keep a certain amount. Um, I mean, I, I think it's fair that, you know, we had put our heart and soul into this. Yeah. We, it's fair that we want to have it how we want to have it. But it's also a good idea to try and keep at least a little bit that's familiar to people. Yes, a mixed approach that you can't please everybody, but you can do it your way and not just dis- yeah, disregard yeah, the others. Yeah. I, think that's, I think that's an important lesson. And if you could add one thing to the Scottish borders to help grow your business, I'll give you godlike powers here. <laughs> what would it Dear. be? If there is something that godlike powers that you need to change, which, you know, money is not going to help to change, it's got to be God that changes it, then it, <laughs> it would be probably just trying to make people a little bit more accepting of new ideas. You know, 
things are constantly changing, not just in mm-hmm. borders everywhere. Life yeah. life is changing. Um, this used to be a mill town, and um, and that brought in all the money here, and and they're gone now. And what is now bringing the money in is outdoor activities, mountain biking, hill running, that sort of thing. I can see for people it's quite difficult seeing new faces coming around and having the bikes and having mm-hmm. having the runners and having the events on that maybe put them out a little bit. But it's these things that are actually bringing the area alive. Yes. You know, and and really we need to embrace that and, and not make it difficult for new businesses to get a foothold, you know. I wonder if it's uh, an idea of risking identity being changed from what was once saw as the identity of a town morphing and changing and the worry that it's going too quickly. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it'd be really interesting because if this town turned into, and this cafe turned into the, the cafe you find in every town where cyclists run through, mm-hmm. then for some people it would be great, but for other people they would feel like an identity had been lost. So it's not replacing the old with the new, it's creating something new that pays homage to the old almost so that the roots are not forgotten but times change, as you said. You can't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what's quite important, like in Erleden, there's a mill bu- building around the corner and they, they've actually kept a big part of the mill mm-hmm. for historical kind of reasons. They're building new houses around it and they're looking to put in, I think they're hoping for a, a mountain bike innovation centre in there, which would be exactly what you're saying, like a good yeah. merging of the two because you're paying respect to the history of the town but introducing and encouraging the new what's coming in and it helps the area stand out on its own as an uh, as an identity a new identity of yes. what Inner Leithen is yeah. yeah so I wanted to ask you what's next what's what does the future hold for uh, for this cafe what are your plans going well forward? you may have guessed that I don't sit still for too long <laughs> so um, we actually not that long ago bought a old trailer um, which we right. are hoping to convert into a coffee trailer and so this year we actually started going out to some events with our cake stall mm-hmm. and selling cakes at biking events, running events. Um, we went to a dog's day out at Traquair and we had our stall there as Very well. Very good, yeah. Um, and that's gone really, really well for us. And we just would like to finish that off with also being able to do coffees. So we're working on a mobile coffee trailer, basically, so we can take cake and coffee wherever we it's want a, it's really. a great combination it I is, love yeah, coffee and yeah. cake mixed together <laughs> so hopefully um, fingers crossed we might have that up and running for next year fingers right. crossed okay very good well Louise coming thank you very much for your time thank you <laughs>